0: Good evening. Welcome to this evening's edition of The Richard Urban Show. I'm your host, Richard Urban, coming to Historic Harpers Prairie, West Virginia. Tonight, we're very happy to have uh, Jody Murphy on. He's a Democrat candidate for governor, so please introduce yourself.
1: Well, Thank you for having me, first of all. I really appreciate it. Uh, my name is Jody Murphy. I'm a Democratic candidate for governor, first time running for office. Uh, live in Wood County, Parkersburg, West Virginia. I've uh, been here 17 years, and I'm a native of Fayette County. Um, married for 23 years, wife, three boys, four cats. Um, I currently work for FedEx. Before that, I worked for the uh, Pleasance County Chamber of Commerce and the Pleasance County Development Authority. And I was a newspaper reporter for about almost 15 years working in Beckley and Parkersburg.
0: Okay, cool, that's good, all right. So could you tell us like the three of your main
1: like campaign or platform points you're running on? sure sure my my big three and and this may or may this may not apply as much to to your area to Harpers Ferry to eastern panhandle but my main platform my number one goal is to recruit and retain residents you know i I tell folks all the time i'm running because i want my children and my children's children to live in west virginia i don't want to go to north carolina to visit my kids you know most of the state has been losing population since the 1950s we're hemorrhaging population And the population that we're losing is is our youngest, our best, our brightest, and our working taxpaying population. So I want to recruit and retain those people. We need to grow our tax base. You know, I tell people we need more taxpayers, not more taxes. So that's really my biggest platform. And my second is to diversify the economy, grow and diversify the economy. And I know those are big things. Those are things that that a lot of people have been saying for for decades of governorship. But I believe I can do it because I've done it. I did it in Pleasance County. I've done it in the Mid-Ohio Valley. Okay.
0: So yeah, interesting. Well, since you mentioned the uh, growing, like the um, population, what are your ideas on that? How would you um, go about that?
1: Well, when we were in Pleasance County with the Chamber of Commerce, we did a promotion where we would pay people to live in Pleasance County. We paid folks $2,000 to build or buy a home in Pleasance County. It, it, It was essentially a rebate on their first year property taxes, but we cut them a check. If anyone built or bought a home in Pleasance County. We gave them $2,000, you know, and you can look at it as a coupon and maybe they moved to Pleasance County. Maybe they didn't, but I think it gave Pleasance County an edge to look at over their neighbors, Tyler County, Ritchie County, and even Wood County. I think they, they got to look at it, you know, so I want to do that. Um, I want to create entrepreneurship zones to in smaller towns, in smaller areas that, uh, that used to be really, you know, uh, prosperous. You know, I'd like to create you know, entrepreneurship zones. I want to create income tax-free retirement communities. Um, I think that there are seniors that don't want to retire to Florida. I think there are folks in the Rust Belt who find it's cheaper to retire to West Virginia, where there are still four seasons. And we can take places like Welch in the deep southern part of the state of West Virginia and refurbish it in town, creating infrastructure, creating better walkways, sidewalks, mobilities and creating different sizes of assist, different sizes and types of assisted living facilities and around which will spring up additional restaurants drugstores you know uh, shops and centers that cater to senior living
0: how would they become income tax free would that ha- when they have to be passed by the legislature or something
1: what it would it would it would probably it would have to be approved by the legislature as well as the county so it would start as I'd like to do it as a pilot program to see if that's something that we can attract. But I think if it's income tax-free, you know, as you know, Tennessee and Florida are both income tax-free states, and that's where folks like to go. So I'd like to try it as a pilot program.
0: Okay. All right. Um, one it, um, thing I'm interested and passionate about, is like the issue of, you know, that we have a, policy of no school, no vaccinations. And the reason I'm mentioning at this stage of the interview is that, you know, I know a bunch of parents who moved out of the state because of that. What's your stand on that? Is that a good policy? Like, no school, no vaccinations, no exceptions, no religious exemptions, no personal exemptions? What do you think?
1: My wife's a family nurse practitioner. I'm I'm a pretty big believer in vaccines. know. Uh, yeah. Okay, but yeah, I mean most states
0: or pretty much all states have some requirements, but usually there's exemptions, so you don't think there, there should be any in West Virginia
1: I like West Virginia is actually a pretty strong i guess as far- i guess the i guess the state is pretty pro vaccine as far as compared to other states and yeah i'm I'm fairly happy with that, pretty comfortable with it okay, well, it's clear
0: all right now, one thing I noticed in another interview is that. You were, um, I believe, wanted to make um, opioid use legal. How would that
1: look? How would that work? Or is that correct? Not exactly. I, I think I, I'm promoting uh, the legalization, the full legalization of cannabis. Oh, okay. The, the creation of cannabis, and marijuana. Yeah, I it. But what I'm believing, one, is can, it would create industry, it would create growth, jobs, and a separate industry it would allow people to willingly, it, we, we would have willingly people willingly doing tax money, paying us tax money. I, I wrote an op-ed the Charleston Gazette called a reluctance to tax the willing. You know, if we legalize cannabis and marijuana, people will buy it and we will collect tax money off of it. And I want to use that revenue stream. That's a new revenue stream. I want to use that to fix PEIA and also want to use it towards regular West Virginia's healthcare costs. Okay.
0: Yeah, well, I know the idea of legalizing marijuana is being much more traction. I guess, I I don't know if I misread that. It was in uh, something on uh, Channel 8 News or something. Oh, Lord, I (laughs) hope they didn't misquote (laughs) me. Maybe maybe check that interview. (laughs) That's what I thought it said. But I mean, I could be mistaken. So, yeah, maybe check that out. Because I read, wow, how would that look? (laughs) But
1: maybe I misread it. Okay. Well, now, Let me, I'll tell you what, let me clarify, and maybe this will clarify. I do want the decriminalization of the possession of opioids. Uh, okay, I, I want to decriminalize that. You know, I, I don't think we should be prosecuting and criminalizing folks that are self-harming. You know, um, our jails are overrun with, with people that are, that are users, that are addicts. And I'm not sure that punishment is, is the, the crime, you know, it, I'm not sure sending them to jail is the right Punishment. Uh, I get it.
0: So if it's decriminalized, then it would still be a misdemeanor or that's, I guess I misread it. Explain how that would look. I'm
1: sorry. Well, again, you're basically, I guess maybe you are, you're just decriminalizing use and possession of, 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 of drugs. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, if you have D on heroin and they're, you know, they're doing Narcan, they want to arrest you and charge you with drug possession. And if you look in your paper, you know, you look in your paper, you know, our paper here, the News and Sentinel, and many of the county papers, 80 to 90 percent of the drug of the arrests are drug related. And if if we if I guess if we decriminalize drug use and drug possession, those numbers drop. Now we still haven't fixed the problem, but we're not demote- devoting as many resources, many state government resources, taxpayer resources, to the criminal prosecution, and we can use that money instead for for treatment uh, for and of course, you know, I'm more of a proponent of, of uh, uh, I guess, drug absence. You know, supercharge, just say no. You know, obviously, we've, we've got to do a better job of educating and informing folks that, that, you know, opioids addiction, drug use is a bad path to start down. Right. Yeah. I hope that better clarifies some.
0: I guess. Yeah, definitely. Well, I'd agree with that. I mean, um, yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, very, that's interesting. I mean, so as far as education like um i was reading or noticed you were saying that um we should have possibly have free college education and another point i noticed was you didn't i know recently a bill added very slowly charter schools like one or two or three but you said no, like no charter school. so i guess the short question is why no charter schools why would that why is that bad and also the free education like how would that look does everybody need college
1: and, and, or how would you pay for it? Okay. Well, one with charter schools, my, 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 my biggest fear with charter schools is it takes money away, public money from public education. And you have places that that cannot afford that, you know, Calhoun County, for instance, if there was a charter school, you would decimate the public school education in Calhoun County. That's my, my biggest concern with charter schools is it takes money, public, public money from public education. Um, now, what I'm proposing as far as post-secondary, what I'm proposing is the opportunities for free post-secondary education. And what that means is, let's say Berkeley, Berkeley County or even Harper's Ferry, they Voters, we, we go to voters and give them the opportunity to pass a post-secondary school levy, like a school bond or a library levy, mm-hmm. in which they agree to be taxed as a group. And that money is set aside, that tax money is set aside to provide free post-secondary educational opportunities for their residents' children. And that can be different. That could be a number of things. It's pretty open-ended. As you pointed out, you know, not everybody needs to go to college or needs a four-year degree, but I'm sure you know anybody that graduates high school to get a decent job, they need something more than a high school diploma. This will help that. You know, generations ago, we decided we were going to pay for our kids to attend ed- to attend you know, school for education. We started elementary, we started high schools. Well, that doesn't cut it anymore, so we have to do more. So I, I'm proposing the opportunities for free post-secondary education that, that your county can provide, that your region can provide or your town can provide. And can you imagine if Harpers Ferry is one of the first places in the state of West Virginia or the Eastern Seaboard that's gonna send their, their residents' children for post-secondary educational opportunities for their taxpayers? You know, and again, that could be anything. It could be a four-year degree, or it could be a two-year degree, or it could be a welding certificate, or a chemical operator's license. But it, it would, it would, it would be open-ended. You know, up to, I guess, to the voters to decide how they would word that, how that would work out.
0: Well, right, generally people. Uh, I mean, you know, as the property taxes go, I guess, well, the great majority for um, local school. So already, it's hard to
1: see how people would want to pay twice as much or something but anyway i I think it depends again you're getting a little more bang for your buck here i mean you're not sending your kids to high school you're sending your kids to you know to get a chemical operators license or to get a welding certificate or to get a four-year two-year degree so i think one you're promising them a little more bang for their buck and you're right uh, uh, what it's usually about 70 anywhere from 70 to 77 percent of our property taxes go towards public education the county educational systems but again, I think you're getting more bang for your buck. And this may not be something everybody in the state wants to do, but I think I can convince somebody, some region in the state of West Virginia, to give this a try to increase. To, to Again, this is a tool to recruit and retain residents.
0: Okay. Well, that, that's an interesting interesting idea about that. What do you think, like, you're talking about, um, yeah, well, this the how regulations are in taxes, like, I know something that's discussed often is like the business inventory tax. And with other candidates also, we're discussing like there's a personal income tax, personal property tax, business inventory tax. What's your opinion on like those three taxes? Are they good, bad, indifferent?
1: Well, one, businesses are not paying enough. They're not paying their fair share. You know, you and I, working tax paying West Virginians, we make up 75% of the state's annual budget. 75% of the state's $4.5 billion budget is funded on you and I, on our backs, not on business, not through business and inventory tax, not through severance taxes. Those make up less than 12% of the state's annual budget, less than 12% of that. So businesses need to pay their fair share. They need to pay a little more. And we need to be charging a lot more in severance tax. We need to raise our severance tax. Um, I I don't support a repeal of business and inventory taxes. I don't support lowering severance taxes. You know, Uh,
0: for those who are- Oh, I'm sorry. The severance sure, tax. Ahead. Can you, uh, if those who aren't familiar with it, what, explain
1: the severance tax? Severance tax is tax money taken on, on exports, particularly coal, uh, oil, natural gas, tim timber, any of our raw materials that leave the state of West Virginia are subject to a severance tax. Okay. And I think we only charge about one to two percent on severance taxes, depending on the the uh, uh, the the, 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 the exports that we're talking about. You know, coal is a big one. They just lowered the coal. The export tax on coal, the severance tax on coal here recently.
0: Okay. All right. All right. Okay. Yeah, I can kind of see see what you're saying there. So I noticed that and some things, like you mentioned about regulations, I was seeing maybe in that interview or somewhere. So you wanted to maybe reduce the size of government or not? I mean, can you talk a little about
1: that and regulation, well, you know? Sure. I don't, know about, I don't know about increasing regulations, but you know this, this, the size of the West Virginia DHHR is uh, it's two to three times larger than any other entity in the state of West Virginia. Any other entity in state government it is, it is incredibly huge. and we provide a ton of services through it to uh, an array of people, an array of services. And I guess I look at, at reducing the size of government, you know again, and it goes back to our, our tax base. You know, as people continue to leave, our working tax-paying West Virginians continue to leave, the folks who stay, our tax base continues, our tax burden continues to grow. And it's not gonna get cheaper anytime soon because costs go up. You know, the cost of asphalt and concrete and construction material Mm -hmm. goes up every year. You know, teachers wanna raise, you know, they get the building cost of living raise and they want additional raises yearly. Well, to pay for that, you know, they have to raise our taxes. And again, as we lose population, our tax burden continues to grow. So yeah, you know, I want to look at, you know, if I can't recruit and retain, maybe we need to reduce the size of government as well and some of the services that we provide. Right. Well,
0: well, there's that old saying, you know, there's never a dollar the government can't figure out how to spend. I mean, there's some truth in that, you know. I, I you're, I think you're right. There, there is some truth to that. Yes. Yeah, that's true. Um, one thing with the COVID-19 situation. So we see that the governor justice and a lot of governors have, you know, put in a lot of mandates, the lockdowns and different restrictions. So do you feel that's violating constitutional rights or you think it's just about right or it's way overkill
1: or what's your opinion on that? I think governor justice, I think he's doing pretty well. I think he's following. I, I think he's following some of the, I think he's following the right advice. And I know there's a concern about that being a slippery slope with, with overstepping, you know, the governor overstepping his powers. And, you know, and I think that that is certainly a valid complaint. And, you know, if things prolong, I can certainly see that 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 beginning to shift the other way. It's like, yes, you are overstepping your bounds. But I think at the time that that we had the pandemic, that we were really, you know, concerned about the unknown, I think they were taking a lot of a lot of good steps, uh, a lot of steps in the right direction. And, of course, now that the governor's easing some restrictions, you know, I hope those work. I hope those are in play. But at the same time, you know, we need to be listening to our experts. You need to be listening to what the CDC and, the, and these experts are telling us to make sure that we, you know, we can avoid uh, another, I guess, Spanish flu outbreak, you know, pandemic. That sort of, yeah. uh, those results.
0: I see. Well, I'm pretty opinionated <laughs> that if you looked at any of my uh, materials. I I err on the side of freedom. But the point is, yeah, that seems like there are a lot of restrictions. But anyway, I just wanted to get your um, viewpoint, you know, on on that issue. I think that that is a really, you know, a big, big issue about, you know, constitutional freedoms and, you know, rights.
1: You also have to keep in mind, this is very unique. I mean, this is is literally a a once-in-a-lifetime event that's happened to us. You know, you know, they, they said this event happened at in, in Woodstock in the 60s, but not to this degree. I, you know, it's probably closer to the Spanish flu, which did, hasn't happened in anyone's lifetime. So I, I think we are, I think a lot of this is kind of on uh, on unsteady ground. You know, we're, we're treading, we're, we're breaking some new ground here. So I think there's a lot of, you know, stepping over the line, stepping back. There's going to be some give and take with that.
0: Okay, okay. Yeah, I mean there's concern that some businesses may never reopen. Also it's setting an awful precedent because you know what are the conditions for the future you know for these things to happen yeah.
1: again, you know could. And I think those are valid those are valid concerns. And and I have we've had we have small businesses that have closed. We had a local rental place, they shut their doors and they I mean they are building they sold all their property, the buildings for sale. They've been they've been in operations since the 70s and now that, that rental place is gone. You know, so yeah. I mean, it you is think concern, that was related? Again, Just now they did that. You mean? They closed about three weeks ago, four weeks ago. I mean, it was shortly after the, the COVID. I mean, they they closed due to the economic conditions.
0: Wow. Well, right. That's a really good point. If you can't like pay your employees, and yeah, I I, I don't know. I mean, I do know. I I have. <laughs> I think there's a lot of problems with with that. Okay. Um. Yeah. So attracting new residents state do you have any other um you mentioned i think about yeah how would you like were you talking about or tell us how would you like try to diversify you know the economic base like maybe just to run over that a little bit more sure
1: one of the proposals i have is to give land away i want to give land away to attract business and industry there's there's a there's a I think it's an 800 acre site in on the canal boom County line called Rock Creek. It's about 800 acres, 700 acres. there's been nothing put on, nothing. Well, what if we gave, what if we offered to give away 100 acres? Hmm. Uh, if you recall, Amazon Amazon recently they put out a, an RFP for their Amazon Amazon two headquarters. Uh, yeah, the one that ago. was going to be in New York. I'm not sure if that's where it is. Yes, no, they didn't. It got killed. AOC killed that deal. She killed it. However, every major metropolitan every major metropolitan city in the country bid on this. They they all bid on the Amazon headquarters. So what if we could reverse engineer that? What if I've got 100 acres in Canal County that I wanted that I want to give away for business and industrial use? And we say, hey, what do you have? What's your proposal? If we give you 100 acres. What can you put on there for us? And I want to see what we attract. You know, and one we may not like what we attract, but two we're going to get. Hopefully, we're going to get something. And two, we're going to get people that we know are looking. We're going to get companies that we know are looking to move, which are also going to be leads to, to, to attract other areas. But I want to take development sites, industrial parks, you know, several counties have industrial parks that haven't had anything new built on them in 10 to 25 years. Well, what if they gave away five, 10, 15 acres for, to, to try and track something, you know, again, uh, we have to do things differently.
0: I think transparency issue, as you probably know, there's a, Kind of brouhaha over here over the Rockwell thing because it wasn't transparent at all. We used to right have like a residential light rail area became the Rockwell site. Basically, nobody knew about it until they ready was done. So we, you know, around here most people think, or at least some people. Okay, I think that she was not at all transparent.
1: You know what well, I mean? Yeah. I I was, you know, I worked in newspapers. I spent 12 years. I covered state government. I covered city government every day, county government. I'm a big believer in transparency, you know, and I know some people don't like, you know, there may not be things that you want out to the public, but I think they need to know. And I'm a big believer in transparency and doing things above board and being open and honest and having discussions. You know, I like to think that most people will have some common sense and can have a reasonable approach to things. Okay. All right.
0: Well, Kind of to wrap up, how would you like, uh, or near wrapping up, differentiate yourself from your opponents? You have like four opponents on the, right? One, two, three, four. That's right. I'm the Democratic ticket. You know, what would differentiate you from those
1: other opponents? What what differentiates me from most of those opponents is those guys have money. (laughs) You know, I'm I'm the guy that nobody's heard of. Um, However, I'm the fellow with the ideas that have actually done things. I've done economic development. I helped save the coal-fired power plant in Pleasance County. I helped rebuild a grocery store in Pleasance County to keep it from becoming a food desert. I chaired and founded the Mid-Ohio Valley Launchpad Competition which was a new business and entrepreneur pitch contest. In three years, we helped over 80 businesses, small businesses either grow, expand, or start up. I put five small businesses in a little town of St. Mary's, West Virginia without spending a dime of government money just by getting them. I recruited a restaurant, a great restaurant, it's called The Boxcar. I recruited a restaurant to St. Mary's, West Virginia off of Craigslist, got the guy to start from nothing. He, he start from nothing. Got him in touch with the building owners, got him in touch with remodelers, and he, he launched a restaurant. And it's not a success because of me, it's success because of Christian. He's a heck of a restaurateur, knows to, and a great chef, but it's in St. Mary's because of me. You know, these are, I, I, when I tell people that I can recruit, and retain, and diversify the economy, I know that because I've done it.
0: You mean that, you advertised
1: on Craigslist for that uh, restaurant placement? So I, I, well, I have, I said, Hey, I said, I forget the ad, but I ran an ad in, uh, I forget where several, several high, high priority zip codes with like Chicago, Cook County, New New Jersey, where, where taxes were higher, you know, a lot higher. I said, Hey, I said, we've got space, you know, and we're look, we need a restaurant. Our, our only sit down restaurant was closing. And I said, we need a restaurant. You know, if you're interested, contact me. And okay. I had a guy who, who moved from Texas and he reached out to me and, and, we got the box car, you know, shortly thereafter.
0: All right. That's pretty cool. Okay. Well, good. Well, yeah. So it, in uh, anything else you'd like to say in concluding about your um, campaign? Well,
1: I've got a whole lot of ideas. Um, a little blog post on my website, Murphy the number four, westvirginia.com. I'm on Facebook. Uh, my cell number is 304-991-2350. If anybody has any questions, I try, I'm available to talk when I'm not at work. Uh, I try and respond to emails Uh, you know I'm pretty open Um, I like that I like that absolutely all right well I
0: appreciate your time today yeah thank you so much for coming on and we'll definitely have this up on video and uh, podcast so I hope a lot of people will watch and you know make informed decisions coming up in the um, primary on June 9th and we'll get out and I hope hope they
1: make informed decisions as well And, and I really appreciate you having me thank
0: you very much okay uh, so, I'm your host, Richard Urban, coming to Restore Carpentry, West Virginia. Thank you for watching, and we'll see you next time. Good evening.